الحمد لله الكفاء والسلام على عباده الذين استطاع ثم بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأحسنوا إن الله يحب المحسنين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يسكون السلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد In the hadith of Jibreel, the hadith of Jibreel is a very well-known hadith that Jibreel came and he asked Rasulullah three questions. What is Iman? What is Islam? And what is Ihsan? Iman means to test it, certify and believe in something truly from your heart. Islam means that a person should submit and lower themselves. A person testify this with the testify with their tongue, that is Islam, and that they really believe it in their heart, that is Iman. The focus of Islam is a person's tongue and the focus of a person's iman is their heart. Islam is related to the outward aspect of the deen and iman is related to the inner aspect of the deen, the inner aspect of a person's heart. The word Islam is more general and the word Iman is more specific. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in one ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used both of these words. So these, in, in the Quran, Karim Allah subhanahu wa combined these two words, Mu'maneen and Muslimin. Imam Bukhari has given a lot of detail on this, that whether Iman increases or decreases. And Imam Bukhari's Dalil was an eye of the Quran. Where Allah Subhanahu says that you increase in Iman. However, Imam Awanifarahmatane, his view was that that the one thing is the quantity of something, and the second is the quality of something. There's quantity and there's quality. So here. That Allah SWT is not talking about an increase in the quantity of Iman. The reason is that 
the opposite of iman opposite of iman is shak or doubt if iman decreases then doubt will go up just like when if there's less light then there's more dark just like the opposite of light is dark the opposite of iman is doubt if Iman goes down, then doubt will go up. So Imam Manifunamta felt that Iman cannot be increasing or decreasing, but rather the amount, the quantitative amount of Iman remains the same. However, the person's Iman gets strengthened qualitatively, and that's what Allah subhanahu meant by ziyada. And if a person does sins and is a sinner and doesn't obey Allah, his Iman is weaker, and that person who is pious and is taqwa, his Iman is stronger. And this is why, to summarize it briefly, if we want to understand what Islam, what is Islam, and what is Iman, then we can phrase it as follows: that to believe in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, to accept Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, that is Islam. To accept Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, that is Islam. And to accept what Allah Taala wants us to do, that is Iman. To accept that Allah exists, that is Islam. And to accept what Allah Ta'ala wants us to do, to accept His commands over us, that is called Iman. So in Iman, a person testifies and certifies it from the bottom of their heart that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is their Rabb and then has 100% submission to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. That is why there were some Bedouin people and they began they converted to Islam and they began to say about themselves that we are Iman so Allah subhanahu wa sent an ayah down in Quran and said to them that don't say don't say we have Iman but rather what you should say is Aslamna we have Islam because Iman has not yet completely entered into your heart so from this ayah we learned that Islam is one level and Iman is the higher level to attest to something with your tongue is the initial level and to truly believe and submit to it in your heart that is a higher level. So one poet said that whether you are Arab or whether you are non-Arab your God is none other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but until your heart testifies to it then you are not really a servant or slave of Allah. So a mu'min is that person who believes that also a mu'min is also that whatever Sayyidina Rasulullah brought in the form of sharia, I accept it and I submit myself to it and I make myself comply with it. Whatever Nabi Akrim brought, that is haq, that is absolute truth. It comes in a hadith. The Prophet gave the example of a believer as a date. In his hadith and transmitted in the collection of Bukhari, that indeed from the tree there is a tree, and that tree does not, there is a tree in which its leaves never drop, it leaves never drop, and that tree is like a Muslim. So this is the way we can understand it, that a date tree, a date and a human being, they have some resemblance and some likeness has been suggested between the two of them. Now if you look at a date, there's something special about the date. 
Virat Maya. In the date palm tree, there is something in the middle, and the core of the date tree is the asal. And if you were to cut the core of the date tree, then that date tree would die. Just like that, for the human being, their breast is their core part. If you were to cut their breast, then they would die. But if you were to cut their extremities, they wouldn't die. Just like that, when you cut the branches of a tree, the date palm tree, it doesn't die. But if you were to cut the core part, which is right above the trunk, but before the branches, then the tree would die. Secondly, the iman of a mu'min never changes. And it's been mentioned about dates. That the date date palm tree takes water from the ground and it takes pure water from the ground and gives pure fruit from its branches. Just like that the believer is that person who is supposed to eat halal, eat from the halal and tayyib, eat from the pure nourishment and sustenance and livelihood of this world and then perform pure acts of piety and worship and virtue. A third resemblance is that that juice, if you extract juice from a tree, from a date, then it has a cure in it, it has a healing part in it, it has a shifa, and just like that, Sayyidina Susan described the believer, that a believer is shifa, a believer is a cure. And the khair of a believer, the goodness of a believer is very widespread and a true believer has a lot of good widespread and has very little evil. So if we want to understand what iman is, that iman is like the boat of Sayyidina Nuh and whoever is on that boat, they will be, they will have salvation. And whoever decides not to go on that boat, then they will face punishment and damnation. Some ulama have said that iman is like the end of Sulaiman al-Islam. Iman is like the ring of Sayyidina Sulaiman al-Islam. That when he had his ring, he had izzat, and when he lost his ring, then he lost his kingdom. So just like that, a mu'min, as long as they have their iman, they will have honor, and if they lose their iman, they will have lost everything. Some have said that iman is like the staff of Sayyidina Musa al-Islam. Why is that? That the staff of Musa when he tossed it, it devoured all of the false snakes of the magicians. Just like that Iman, that when you toss Iman in front of anything, Iman can devour all of the delusions of this world. It dispels and eliminates all of the deceptions and delusions of this world. Another example is that Iman is like pure, clean water. 
and it is pure and it can purify whatever lies in its path it, purifies, it is pure and it purifies it and it does not become impure unless you change it in some way you change one of its attributes just like that iman is pure and it purifies anything that comes in its path and it doesn't become impure unless you mix and adulterate something into that iman some have said that the iman is like the haram, like Betullah, like Kaaba, that whomsoever enters it will have aman, whomsoever enters it will enter sanctity and sanctuary and safety and security. So just like Allah Ta'ala said that in Quran about the Kaaba, just like that is true about iman, that whoever enters the state of iman will have security and sanctity and sanctuary from the fire of hell. In a hadith, the Prophet said that a believer is obedient, is like an obedient camel. If you tie the camel, then it will stand up. And if you make it sit on the, even if you tell it to sit on a rock or a boulder, it will sit on the boulder. Just like that, a believer that if he is invited to that which is good and that which is virtue, then he will easily and quickly come to that act of virtue and good. Just like, just like a camel has, mm, has the, the reins are pierced into the uh, nostrils of the camel and then the reins are used to drive the camel just like that the mu'min is willing to be pierced with the reins of sharia and is willing to be driven according to the rules of sharia and just like the camel if you sit them on the boulder the camel will remain on the boulder until its owner tells it to move just like that the mu'min the believer they will stand they will remain at the door of their rub, at the gate of their rub, until their rub decrees their pleasure for them. But they will do sabr in every situation and condition that their rub sends them, but they will never leave turning and worshipping and praying to their rub. Sheikh Abdul Wahid he gives a strange example in one of his books, and he says that once I was passing by a number of mountains that I was passing by the mountains and I saw an old man and he was uh, deaf and he was handicapped, he didn't have two of his hands, he was crippled, he didn't have two hands, and he didn't have his two legs. And what was he saying? He was saying, Ilahi was Sayyidi, he was making dua to Allah SWT, this old crippled man, he doesn't have hands, doesn't have feet, and he is blind and was also deaf. He was making dua to Allah SWT, Ilahi was Sayyidi that oh my Allah and oh my Master that as long as it was your will and wish you had given me the benefit of having limbs having hands and feet 
And whenever you wanted, you took those bounties and blessings of having hands and feet back. But what you, what still, what you left in my heart is still, Husnizan, I still have a favorable opinion of you. Then he is calling upon his Rub. And he said, the Sheikh Abdul Wahid said, so then I said to him, I said to myself in my heart, that I wonder what Allah SWT has done for this person, that this person still has a favorable opinion of Allah, given that he's blind and deaf and has no hands and has no feet. So then the old man then responded, that, oh liar, get away from me. That has it, Allah SWT left with me, left me with a tongue with which I can do zikr of him and hasn't Allah left me a heart with which I can recognize him and these are the two blessings that Allah Ta'ala has given me a heart that can recognize him and a tongue that can do zikr of him and these are the two greatest blessings in the world so such an old man even though he lost his sight and his hearing and his hands and his feet but because he still had a heart that recognized Allah and a tongue that did zikr of Allah, so he's doing shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, oh Allah, you have given me such two incredible blessings and bounties. And look at us that if the slightest difficulty comes to us, we start complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we don't fully appreciate the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Nuno Misri Once he in one place he has defined what a mu'min is. And we should listen to his definition. He said that a believer a, a believer is has sorrow and grief in his heart but bears his joy and happiness on his face. And the most wide... His, his breast is widely expanded, he has an open heart, and the most subdued thing in him is his nafs. And he's always always protecting himself against every evil and always commanding or enjoying every good. in 
وسیق الاحد وفل وعد شفوق وسول حلیم حمول قلیل الفضول راز انولاح مخالف لحواہ لا يغلط على من يؤذيه ولا يخوض فيما لا يعنيه ان سب وعوذي لم يسب وان طلب ومنع لا يغضب I've read a long passage in Arabic which he says he's not going to translate because of the ulama. Very few qualities I will tell you that very long passage going on about Zulu Masri defining who a believer is. So it's somebody who leaves that which is, leaves the useless, leaves the futile, is full of sorrow and grief for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, full of effort and striving for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are so many things that are mentioned. He's always pleased with their Rabb and their Lord. Uh, does not have any pride and arrogance. So many, many. Hmm? Uh, doesn't return curses when somebody curses him. There are many, many features. Yeah, maybe some other day we can try to do it for and then the third thing is after Iman and Islam is what is Islam? So the Prophet responds that Islam means to worship Allah subhanahu as if you see Him or at least if you cannot see Him and worship Him such that you are aware that He is always seeing you. If you're not able to worship Allah as if you see Him, at the very least you should worship Allah subhanahu as if Allah subhanahu is looking at you. So here Nabi Karim Sallallahu has mentioned two levels Asan. The highest, best level of Asan is called Mushahada, to be worshipping Allah in a state in which you're witnessing Him as if you're perceiving Him, and you're not going to be seeing Him with the outward physical eyes that you have, but you will be able to see Him and perceive Him with the eyes of your spiritual heart. And this is exactly how a person should feel when they're praying Salah, that when they stand in Salah, they should be praying Salah as if Allah SWT is right in front of them and they're looking at Allah SWT. This is known as maqam mushahida That's such the station of which they're able to witness Allah SWT. And this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah used to say, that the coolness of my eyes uh, lies in the salah, lies in the prayer. Why? Because Sayyidina used to have the highest level of ihsan and the highest level of mushahada. Therefore, when he used to stand to pray to Allah SWT in salah, from his qalb, from his spiritual heart, he used to see Allah SWT. And indeed, a poet has said that indeed the... Whenever I lower my head, I can just recall the image of my beloved in my heart. So prayer for the Prophet was witnessing and gazing upon Allah Subhanahu Imam Rabbani Majad al-Afasanabta said something which is worthy of being written in gold. And when we read this, we get so much enjoyment that we can think that a person will have spiritual ecstasy when they listen to what his words are. And what did he say? He said that when I went into Muraqaba, I saw the entire universe. Once I went into Muraqaba and I saw the entire universe, but I only saw the fragrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Salah.
I didn't find the fragrance of Allah subhanahu wa anywhere other than in salah that is offered in this world. So it means that in the Muraqaba I was able to perceive all of creation, but I only saw the fragrance of Allah subhanahu wa inside the salah of a believer. So salah is such an incredible thing. It's supposed to be a kafiyat, a feeling, in which a person was supposed to feel the closest to Allah subhanahu wa in their salah. And that is why in Sarda, and then Allah also said, Waqtareb in Quran, that you will have the closest qurb to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the closest nearness and proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you prostrate to Him. And all of us know, all of us know that, that prayer is where a believer gets close to Allah, but in terms of experience, we don't experience that closeness. Three things, three things about Allah Subhanahu Wa that He knows and that He is watching us, looking at us, and that He is listening to us. Three things about Allah Subhanahu Wa that all of us know. Allah Taala hears us, and He's also watching us, and He also knows everything. These three things are also things that all the ulama know, all the Masses know. However, how many people are consciously, constantly aware of the fact that Allah Ta'ala is looking at them and Allah Ta'ala is listening to them and Allah Ta'ala knows and is aware of every single thing that they're going to do. If a person could get that feeling 24 hours a day and is always conscious and aware that Allah Ta'ala is looking at me, Allah Ta'ala knows every single thing about me, Allah Ta'ala is listening to me, that is called Ihsan. So when a person gets that feeling, then Allah subhanahu wa will in put a lot of barakah in his life. That in every single moment that a person will feel as if I'm in front of Allah subhanahu And then in exchange for that, a person gets certain bounties and blessings. Which ones? The first one that a person will get is haya. They will get modesty and shame and chastity and purity. Why? Because when their feeling is that Allah SWT is watching me, then they will be, they will not do anything of immodesty, they will not do anything shameful. And then when they, when they don't actually feel that Allah is looking at them, then they lose their haya. And this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah said that if you don't have Hayah, you might as well do whatever you want. So Hayah is a very big bounty and blessing. And the Prophet also said it's Shobatamil Iman, it's a branch of Iman, a part of Iman, an aspect of Iman. And then another deeds of Prophet Iman, Hayah is from Iman itself. All of haya is khair, all of modesty is virtue and goodness. This is why deen of Islam is very strongly emphasized haya. So when a person's heart's feeling is that Allah subhanahu is looking at me, Allah ta'ala is listening to me, and whatever is in my heart, Allah ta'ala knows and awares whatever I am feeling, then the first thing that happens to a person is they become a person of haya. Whether they are alone or whether they are in front of others, they will have haya.
Now when they don't have this feeling, then in public a person will obviously have adopt haya, but the second they become alone, then they will lose their haya. Sayyidina Rasulullah that you should fear Allah SWT. When will you get this blessing of fear? When you have ihsan. When you know that Allah is looking at you, watching you and or listening, looking at you, listening to you and knows everything. Second blessing that a person gets from ihsan in whatever situation and condition comes to a person, a person will not complain to Allah SWT at all. Why? Because they will know that where did this condition come to? How did this condition overcome me? Because Allah Ta'ala sent it to me. And that Allah Ta'ala knows what I'm going through. And Allah Ta'ala is listening to my du'as. And Allah Ta'ala can see the difficulty I'm facing. So when they know that Allah Ta'ala can see their difficulty. And Allah Ta'ala listens to their du'as. And Allah knows how sad they feel in their heart. The fact that Allah Ta'ala knows it gives them solace and comfort. So Sayyidina Rasulullah himself also experienced many difficult oppositions and persecutions in his life. But how did Allah SWT send a special solace to the heart of the Prophet What were the words Allah SWT used? And Allah SWT said to the Prophet that first bear that you should have be patient with the commandment and judgment of your Rabb because indeed you were in front of your Rabb's eyes. And as he says that the ulama should especially reflect on this ayah that look how much comfort the Prophet ﷺ had gotten, that the Prophet ﷺ must have enjoyed it so much that Allah Ta'ala said, I know, I'm watching you. Everything that's happening to you is happening in front of my eyes. Just have sabr. This is the meaning of this ayah of Qur'an. That Allah Ta'ala is telling the Prophet ﷺ that have sabr and wait for the judgment and decision of your Rabb. Know that everything that is happening to you is happening right in front of my, yani Allah's Ta'ala's eyes. Once, once Hadith is mentioning that there was it was raining extremely uh, it was a severe downpour of rain and there were a lot of ditches because of that rain and so they were traveling and then they stopped in the rain and everybody the children were enjoying the rain, but the one brother, he was very young, and all the other kids were playing in the rain, but the small child was not able to play in the rain because his parents weren't letting him play in the rain. So the younger one was about three years old, and the older brother was about nine years old. So then the old brother saw the younger brother, that the younger brother wanted to play in the rain, but the parents weren't letting him so then the nine-year-old said to a three-year-old brother that, okay, why don't you come out also and you can just stand on the edge and you can play a little bit in the rain. But don't go too far, don't go beyond my range of vision. So the small three-year-old boy, then he came out and he played for a little bit for one minute and then he came back to see that is my older brother, is my older brother still there? 
And the older brother said, yes, I'm right here, I'm watching you. There's no need to cry. And then again he went out and he played for one or two minutes and then he came right back. And then after one or two or three times, so then Hazrati was watching the spectacle. So then when he heard the words, so he was saying in Punjabi, but don't cry because you are something. Or don't cry because wherever you are, I'm always watching over you. So then he told the younger brother to go even further and he was giving his younger brother comfort that don't cry because I'm always watching over you. So that is exactly what Allah SWT was telling Sayyidina Rasulullah Quran that you should have sabr and with the hukum of your Rabb because know that I am always watching over you. That whatever is happening to you is happening right in front of my eyes. So even though, then when a person know, has Asan and knows that Allah is watching them, then they don't have any worry, they don't have any anxiety. Because they know that Allah knows what I'm going through. Just like that when Sayyidina Musa, or Sayyidina Ibrahim was placed into the fire, the angels were stunned that the Nabi of Allah is going to be placed into the fire. So the angel Jibreel, he went to Allah SWT and he said, Oh Allah, you have made my duty to send the Bahi and revelation to the prophets and to help the prophets. And now your beloved Khalil Ibrahim needs help. So if you give me permission, can I go help him? Can I go save him from being cast or thrown into the fire? So Allah SWT said, okay, you can help him, but on the condition that if he wants your help, then you can help him. So Jibreel came down to earth, and then the ulama have written that at that time, Sayyidina Ibrahim had been put in a catapult, and they were going to launch him into the fire. So when they launched him into the fire, when he was in the air, on the way, mid-air, on the way to the fire, at that point, Angel Jibreel came to him and said, Oh Khalilullah, oh the friend of Allah, do you have any haja? Do you have need of me? Can I help you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? So Sayyidina Ibrahim responded that tell me something first that in this state that I am in right now mid-air on the way to the fire does Allah Ta'ala know the state that I am in? And Jibreel said, yes, Allah Ta'ala knows what you're in. Then he said, then Hasbi, Allah Ta'ala, that is sufficient for me. It's sufficient for me that Allah Ta'ala knows what condition I'm in. Then my Allah is sufficient, I don't need any help from you. I need nothing from you. So if my beloved likes to see me mid-air being launched towards the fire, I'm fine with it. So this feeling, where does this feeling come from? This is called Asam. This type of Iman comes from the feeling of Ihsan. So Sayyidina Ibrahim said that I'm completely, I don't need anything from you whatsoever. And when a person has this feeling of Ihsan, then a believer becomes absolutely certain that Allah Ta'ala's help will come to them. Allah Ta'ala's help will come, absolutely certainly come to them. Don't you see that Sayyidina Musa Islam and Sayyidina Harun Islam, they went to Quran. And what did Allah Ta'ala tell the two of them when He sent them? He said to them, Fadhaba, the two of you should go. 
the two of you should go and don't the two of you should not be afraid and didn't know that indeed I Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I am absolutely with you I am listening intently to everything that will happen and I am watching over everything that will happen. As whatever Fir'aun does with you, I will be seeing it. Whatever he says to you, I will be listening to it. When I am with the two of you, then why is there any need for the two of you to fear? So the believer, it means that when they have the feeling of Asam, when they know that Allah is watching them, they know that Allah is listening to them, they know that Allah is aware of what they are going through, then they have yakin in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they have yakin that his help will come. And a third blessing that a person gets when they have the feeling of ihsan is that ibadah and doing mujahada, all of it becomes easy. Acts of worship, strenuous acts of mujahada, ibadat and mujahadat, all of them become easy to do. How do they become easy? In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran said to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking at you when you stand in Qiyam and Allah ta'ala is looking at you when you are falling in Sajda. So what does it mean that that person whose heart feels that whenever I stand Allah ta'ala is looking at me, whenever I go into Sajda my Allah is looking at me, then for that person praying is very easy. If they pray and they feel that whenever I stand in Qiyam and prayer Allah is watching me, when I go into Sajda Allah is watching me, so praying Salah will become very easy for them. Fourth benefit is that Ashan is that a person is able to save themselves from the deceptions and tricks of Shaitan. Indeed those who have taqwa, whenever a group of the Shaitan touch them or try to afflict them in any way, then what do they do? They remember Allah SWT, they make the zikr of Allah SWT. And when they, and they make the zikr of Allah SWT, and Allah Ta'ala gives them basira or He gives them uh, spiritual insight. And those people who commit an indecency, then they remember Allah SWT and then they seek forgiveness for their sins. So what does this mean? That whenever they know that Allah Ta'ala is looking at me, that keeps a person safeguarded from sin. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab used to say, he used to say that the best zikr is the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The best, the most abzal, the greatest zikr that a person can do is that whenever there's an opportunity to do sin and an opportunity to do haram, at that time if you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the greatest way, greatest type of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person has the feeling of ihsan, they will always be remembering Allah SWT. In some books, it has been mentioned that in a hadith Qutsi, Allah SWT says that, O oh, son of Adam, O oh, human being, you have not been just to me. When you, you made dua to me, and I'm Embarrassed in, left, in sending you back empty-handed, so I grant your du'as. Whereas you send my commands back unfulfilled, you disobey me and you are not ashamed. That means that Allah Ta'ala says that I am ashamed that when you make du'a to me not to answer your du'as, 
But you are unashamed that when I submit commands to you, you are unashamedly disobeying Another writer has written, and then if you think that I'm not watching you when you're sinning, then that is a flaw in your iman. And if you know that I am looking at you when you do your sins, then why is it that you have made me, uh, if you are aware and you know that I'm looking at you, then why is it that from all of the people who look at you, you have given me the lowest level? So this is a bounty and a blessing that a person should be so aware of Allah SWT. But Allah SWT is with me. Everybody knows that Allah Ta'ala is with us. Everybody knows that Allah knows everything. That he is with you wherever you are. But how many people actually feel that mayyat? How many people are aware of that mayyat? That is the benefit of doing zikr and salut. The more and more you do zikr of Allah Taala, you will be aware of this. That 24 hours a person should be aware that Allah Taala is with them. That Allah Taala's mayyat companionship is with them. And as long as they remain in this state, then even, no matter how many opportunities they may have of sin, no matter what type of environment of sin they may be living in, they will be able to save themselves from sin. There's an incident that is written. That at the time of Mansur, Mansur al-Khalaj was walking and he saw that there was a man who was talking to a woman young man who was talking to a young woman. So when they saw them coming, the young man quickly turned away. So Mansur, Allah Lodge, he went to that woman and he told her that you should come with me. So she walked behind him until they reached the destination, until they reached his home. And then when she entered the home, she sat down. And then Mansur he prayed two rakats nafil. And he prayed a long salah. And he kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And when he finally said salam, so then that girl said to him that what is this that made you complete? You prayed such a long prayer. You have tired me out. I've been waiting for you for so long. So Masrur Allah said to her, what would you what would you say about that person or that criminal that four witnesses uh, four witnesses testify against him and the ruler himself sees him do a sin? Is there any way that he can ever stave off the punishment for his crime? Is there any way that he could try to act as if he's innocent? Is there any way that he can establish the innocence in court? So she said no. He said, if four witnesses witness somebody do a crime, and the ruler himself saw him do the crime, there's no way he will ever be able to get out of that. He said, two angels are your witnesses, two angels are my witness, and Allah is the master who is watching both of us. 
So why would I ever do any indecency with you? So he said something to her that she got such a fear in her heart from Allah and then she left her evil ways. So this feeling that Allah is watching us, this is a feeling that we should beg from Allah Tawusul Yamani was a sheikh and he came to Makkah Mukarramah and there was a lot of people in Makkah Mukarramah. And there was a woman and she was so beautiful. She saw he was so beautiful and she went up to him and she started talking to him and says, I want to uh, have relations with you. And she told him that you should come follow me. And then she took him and they entered into Masjid. He told her to come with me and then they entered into Masjid Haram. And they entered into the Masjid Baitullah and there was a large crowd of people who had already assembled there. So then he said to her, he said, okay, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So she said, in this place you want to do it? And all these people are looking at us in Masjid Al-Haram and everybody is around us. And he said, that, if, you want, if you have hayan for these people, it would have been more befitting that you should have been ashamed in front of Allah. So instead of being afraid of these people, you should have been afraid of Allah. So, so then this woman she realized and she made tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala accepted her. She made an excellent tawbah which was accepted by Allah. So what was it? This was Asan. People who have Asan, even if the opportunity of sins present themselves to them, they, the grace of Allah ta'ala prevents them from falling into that sin. There was a slave girl and she sent a message to a young man. And she said that if you want, I will come to you. Or if you want, I will try to make some way that I will make it easy for you to come to me. So then he wrote her back, right on the same letter he wrote back and sent it to her, that indeed I am afraid that I have disobey my rub, then I am afraid of a punishment on the, in the hereafter, on the day of judgment. So didn't respond. There was a shape by the name of Al-Mushki. Why? Because the fragrance of Mushk would come from him. Why was that? Because once there was a woman who became attracted to him and she tried to call her into her house. She, what she did was she got an old woman and she told the old woman that I'm giving you money and I want you to somehow make some excuse to bring him into our house. And this was a house that he used to pass by. So then when, he, when the sheikh passed by, so the old woman... Uh, the old lady... As old ladies are fitna, so the old lady pretended as if she was sick and she told him that, oh young man, come in and help me. And he said, okay, I'll come and I'll make dumb on you. So the second he went into the house, she quickly closed the door behind her and she left. And then the young woman came and she said, I've been watching you past this house for so long and you're so handsome. 
and I've arranged this and now I want that me and you should have relations. So Al-Muskin said to her immediately, said, okay, then I just need to go to the bathroom and let me go to the bathroom and then we can, I'll do what you want me to do. So she said, okay, there's the bathroom. So he went into the bathroom and at that time bathrooms weren't like today's bathrooms and plumbing and... <laughs> Today everything disappears because of the flush and that time there was no flush so it would remain there. So he went there and he saw there was some excrement and he took it and he wiped it on his body. So he came out smelling like anything and she looked at him and said, what's the matter with you? You're crazy. You're insane. You're so filthy. You're a nut. Get out. So he got out. And then he went and then he washed himself from that. But for the rest of his life, he had the smell of mush coming from his body. So then all the people used to call him Abu Bakr al-Miskin Amtale. Sulaiman ibn Yasan Abdullah was also very handsome man. And one day he paused at a particular place and they thought uh, he was traveling and they, paused, they, they were traveling somewhere and they paused at a particular place. His companions told him that we better store up on our provisions here because there won't be another stop where we can stock up for the next few days. So we should stop here for some time. We're going to go into the city and buy some provisions and you stay back with the caravan and guard the goods. So Sulaiman was alone. Then a woman was passing by and she saw him and he was so handsome. So she gave him some signal that there was a different language. So he gave her some food. He thought she was begging for food. She said, no, 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 no. I don't want the food. I want you. I want that which a woman wants from a man. So Sulaiman ibn Yasar, he heard this. He said that, oh, woman of Allah, you will go into Jahannam and I will go into Jahannam if we do this. And he said it with such fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that woman got fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and she turned away. Now Sulaiman ibn Yasar says that he saw a dream and then in the dream he saw a very, very beautiful person and he asked that, who are you? And he said that I am Yusuf salam. He saw Sin Yusuf Islam as dream. Yusuf ibn Yaqub. So Salman Yusuf got very happy in his dream that I'm seeing a Nabi in my dream. He said, oh Nabi, oh you and Zulaikha, that was an incredible thing that you stayed away from her. And he said that, yeah, Yusuf Islam that yes, but what you did was even more amazing. So I was a Nabi. So I had the special help and grace of Allah But you are not a Nabi. You are not a Nabi, but you are a Wali now. And you did what a Nabi used to do. You know, staying away from a woman who offered herself to you. So a person who has the feeling of Asan that enables a person to stay away from sin. Once in the darkness of the night, 
Once on a dark night, there was a man and he wanted to seduce this woman and he told her that look, it's night time, we're alone, there's nobody around. And he even took an oath on Allah that indeed, oh, I swear by Allah, there's nobody looking at us except the stars. So she responded to him and said, she said that, and what about the creator of these stars? It means they had such yakin in their hearts in Allah SWT, looking at them and watching them and knowing them. There's another incident that it was very dark night and a man, he put his hand on the body of a woman. So the woman said immediately that she should fear that being who, who can see as clearly in the darkness of the night as he sees as clearly in the brightness of the daylight. Fear that being whose sight is so perfect that he can see as clearly in the darkness of the night as he sees in the brightness of the day. Means that these women and men, they had such yaqeen in their iman, they had the feeling of ihsan. And because of that, they had taqwa in their life, they had ibadah in their life, they had fear of Allah subhanahu in their life, and they were living a true life of iman. And this, how can we get this feeling of ihsan? We have to make an effort to get Islam. We have to go to the Mashaykh. We have to learn the zikr of Allah, Allah. We have to do so much zikr that our kalb should become alive and activated. And all the time we should focus our remembrance on Allah subhanahu these are the things that a person gains in the path of the Sabbath. And our Mashaykh, they made these asbab, these lessons, the 16th lesson in our Sussla is known as Maraqibah Ma'iyat, in which a person reflects on the Ma'iyat of Allah SWT, that Allah SWT is always with them. And in that zikr, after that zikr, then a person is always feeling that Allah SWT is with them. But that is if somebody does zikr, Having a bottle of medicine in your cabinet doesn't mean you're cured. Using the medicine is what's going to enable you to be cured. And yes, those people who use the medicine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them, gave them asan. Gave them the feeling of asan. The people who made, practiced the zikrs of our sallallahu And indeed when we look at our kabir, Allah ta'ala gave them this very feeling of asan. As he says, we'll give you a few more incidents and then we will conclude our talk. Number one, Sheikh, Hazar Sheikh, Hazar Akhir Sheikh, Ashraf Ali Khan, was once returning from a place and people gave him a big sugar cane, a big bundle of sugar cane to take with him. And he said that, well, I'm on the train, we'll have to check this in his baggage. And the people who were his hosts said that, no, don't worry, we don't have to check it in his baggage, we have to pay for it, pay for the baggage. And even though Hazrat Ashwaisan told them that no, I want to check it in and pay for it as baggage, they didn't do it. So then he told them that I won't take it with me. So the person who was the conductor, he was also standing there. And he said, no, it's okay, Sheikh, I'm the conductor, it's okay, I'll let it go through. I'm with you, I'll be with you on the train. And it doesn't matter, nobody will ask you anything. So as it said that, you know, actually I have to go quite a long way. He said, don't worry, I am going to be the conductor up to this station and then if you're going up to there, then I'll be with you myself. And as a time he said, no, no, I have to go further ahead. He said, okay, well then when the conductor switched, he's a friend of mine and I'll tell him that, you know, let Sheikh's baggage go through. 
and he won't ask you, he won't bother you at all. And the Shaykh said, no, I have to go even further ahead than that. And the conductor said that there is no station ahead of that. That's the last stop, that's the final stop of the train. Then it comes back this way. And Allah said that, no, actually, I have to go to Allah's mountain, the Day of Judgment. And I have to reach that destination. If you can then escape, if you can let me escape from that day, then you can talk to me. Otherwise, don't tell me to check in this baggage. Don't tell me to take this baggage without checking it in and paying for it. Now look, now obviously the Shaykh could have done it, the conductor would have taken it for him. But he had Asan, he knew that Allah was watching him. Allah knows what he's doing. And he'll have to come in front of Allah and answer for everything that he does. Once Hazrat Hanbiyate had a Khalifa. And once his Khalifa came to meet him, and he had a son with him, he brought his child with him. And the child was around 10 years of age, but he was a little bit short. So he looked like he was 6-7 years old. He looked younger than he was. He was a bit thin, frail, short. So Hazrat used to keep a careful gaze at everything. So then he talked to his Khalifa, how are you doing? And then he asked him, that so, you know, did you make it? Ticket for your baggage? He said, yes. Did you make a ticket for your child? Yes. How old is he? He said, Hazrat, he's probably 10 years old, but he looks like he's just 6, 7 years old. So, until 7 years, children are half off, so I got a half off ticket for him. So when he said that to his Sheikh, said, oh, so even he looks like he's 6, 7 years old, but he's actually 10. So you cheated and you made half a ticket, even though he was really nine and you should have paid the full fare. That means that you don't have Ihsan yet. You don't realize that Allah Ta'ala is watching you yet. Okay, now I take my Khilafat back from you and I expel you from the ranks of my Khilafat. So Islam makes a person so sincere for Allah that everything a person does they do for the sake of Allah. There was a Shaykh with Hadith who has written a commentary on the Sahih Bukhari. And he used to go to Saharanpur in the Madrasa vacations. So the teachers used to tell him that Hazrat, if you can find anyone for us who could help us, help, help the madrasa out. Then let us, when you come in the vacations, bring such people from the city to us. He came from the city of Calcutta. So when he went to the city of Calcutta, and he was giving different talks, and he was telling them about the madrasa, and trying to get donations for the mothers from Saranpur. So when he came back then to Saranpur, Mother Sekhalis Mahazakariyantai said that I myself saw that piece of paper on which it had written that so-and-so is donated this much and so-and-so is donated this much and that I was traveling and I made so many expenses. And then he wrote on that that I went to go meet a friend of mine and I wasn't going there to solicit donations but actually I went there and in that town where my friend was a lot of people gave charity but because I went to visit my friend I'm not going to claim the travel expenses to go there. Now who would have ever known who would have ever asked who would have ever discovered 
because he said himself he was so honest but because my intention on that journey was not to get donations from the madrasa so I cannot ask the madrasa to pay for my travel expenses to that place because my actual intention was to visit my friend he was the first dean of academic affairs in the mother's and son board. It was his practice that during the academic during the academic year, if anybody ever came to visit him on a day that he was teaching, he would look at his watch and then he would look at the watch again when the person would leave and he would subtract these minutes from his salary. He said, this person came and talked to me during office hours for 12 minutes and therefore 12 minutes of my salary should be deducted and he would add this up every month and then he would round it up to a day. If it was up to 12 hours, he would deduct himself a full day and if it was less than that, he would deduct a half day. Because this was one in office hours. Maybe my relative came to meet me, my friend came to meet me, they talked to me for a few minutes. I'm not entitled to salary for those few minutes that I was sitting with my relative or my friend. What made him do such a thing as some? That they were always aware that Allah was looking at them and hearing them and aware of what they do. there was a senior teacher in Darulam Dehbam. Once he was about to publish the annual report of the mother son. So somebody gave him, they gave him money and said, go get it printed. And when he was on the way to the printer, he lost the, somebody stole, picked his pocket and he stole the money. Now he didn't know what to do, that it was the mother's money and got stolen. And when he came back to Deoban, he didn't tell anybody, but he had his own land. He sold his plot of land and the money he got from that plot of land, he again went to the city and he went to the printer and he got that annual report printed. And much later people came to find out. So people told him, Hazrat, you shouldn't have sold your land, it wasn't your fault, somebody picked your pocket. And one of them even, even one of them wrote a fatwa for the Gagoyamtanai. That there was a person, he was going somewhere, somebody stole the money that he had. Hazrat even himself wrote a fatwa because it wasn't his fault. It's not that he lost them or he was negligent or he wasted them. They were stolen. And what, so be it. So he's not liable, he's not financially liable for that amount of money that was stolen from him. So then they showed him this fatwa, look you didn't have to give that money, and we even a fatwa from Hazrat Rishid Gangoi. So then he read the fatwa and he said that go and tell Hazrat Gangoi of the that did you, did you study all the fiqh just for my sake? Go tell Hazrat Gangoi that did you study fiqh just so that you can give me a fatwa? Sound that if he himself was in my situation, he would have done exactly what I did. So I will never ever take the money back from the manasa, and I've sold my land and I'm happy using that money. So what prompted them to do such a thing? They were on maqam of Asan. They were on the feeling of Asan. There's so many events like this. If you can read a book, Hazrat Sheikh Wadisham has written a book called Akabir Kataqwa. The taqwa of our pious elders. And they mentioned in the original kind of Dalman from the head leader to the guard at the gate, every single one was a Sai Binispat.
and that mother, all the staff, all the professors, all of them had this one. That was the mother of Darlam Deva. Now, when a mother like that, every person has maqam of asab. But you can't get that on your own. You have to do zikr, you have to do mujahida, you have to cry in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives such a bounty and blessing like asab. Sulaiman alayhi salam asked for the dominion of this world. Allah Ta'ala said, we have given you the kingdom of this world. I want to say that Musa Islam made dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and said, Allah make my brother Harun a Nabi. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala then for half the page, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentioned all of his asana and indeed then your Rabb has sent asan on you and then has made your brother in Nabi. So deen doesn't come just like that. You have to earn and work hard to get the feeling of Asan. This is not a small thing that you are trying to attain. So this maqam of Asan and to get that feeling is not going to happen if we joke around or we play around. It's only going to happen when we are serious and we beg from Allah SWT and we sit in long hours of zikr and we make dua to Allah SWT. Then Allah Ta'ala's mercy will come upon us and Allah Ta'ala will give us this level of ihsan in these last few days of Ramadan. May Allah Ta'ala give us this bounty and blessing of ihsan. Make Mrakama, close your eyes and bow your head. I 
किया सब कुछ का आखरत का कटी गुनाहों में उम्र सारी मैं सर झुकाता हूँ मेरे